Laura. It's Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez. And today we're here with a little special mini episode. We just wrapped up the Men in Black franchise. And now we're here because we need to announce our nominations that are going to go up to vote on our Twitter account for the franchise that we'll be covering after our X-Men franchise. We need to know what we're doing ahead of time. <laughs> and so uh, we, need to, we need to get that vote going. So the way that this works, for those of you who might not have listened to our pilot episode, or, or maybe you don't follow us on Twitter yet, because I'm sure we're hyping it up there. The idea is that we have a series of genres that we cover on this show. Um, we like to go between the genres so that we're not just covering all superhero stuff or all sci-fi stuff or etc. We have a bunch of genres and we each are nominating a franchise in each genre. Yes. Those are what are going to be put to a vote on Twitter. So each genre individually, just two choices, and you're going to choose between the two. The finalists of those are then going to move on to a poll determining the actual winner and the next franchise that we're going to cover. Yeah. But first we have some unfinished business with Men in Black. So we just finished that franchise and uh, we put out a call from uh, listeners to see if they had any Men in Black memories they wanted to share, questions they wanted to ask. And uh, I put out a prompt also on Twitter to see about what, uh, what people would want from a, a new Men in Black movie. And they replied, uh, well, Scott, well, how could we have any memory of the Men in Black? Right. Yes, of course. <laughs> Very true. So yeah, so let's start off with uh, some of our emails. So our first email comes from... Brian Green, who is actually our, our guest on next week's episode, the first uh, Scream episode, he said that I was nine years old when Men in Black was released. I went with my friend Noah and his family. A week or so later, Noah brought his toy neuralizer he got from a Burger King kids meal to my house. He walked in the door, pulled it out of his pocket and flashed it into my eyes. Having taken acting classes from a very young age, I pretended to not know who he was or where we were. I continued the act until he was so upset my mom came over to find out what was wrong. I thought he was in on the joke and felt terrible And when I realized he was really upset. Wow. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's Brian all over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, better, better to do that than do something really mean. Like I, when I was no, in the I, middle of reading this, I thought he was going to like fake a seizure or oh, something. Okay. Yeah. No, but it, it's much more, much more playful and good natured than that. <laughs> yes. He, yeah. He was that committed to the bit that he made, he made his friends upset. Yeah. Yeah. I guess he was only nine, so he probably wouldn't have known to like do something that mean. Right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, that's pretty great. That's great. And I, I vivid, I, I think I, 
I definitely remember owning like a little plastic neuralizer. Mm-hmm. So that probably is like the Burger King version of it. Yeah, it might be. I, I remember there being like one you could buy at Target or whatever sure. in the toy section, but it was like really thick. It was like way too thick, mm-hmm. way more thick than the one that's in the movie. I liked the one I had because I remember it was able to fully click and close. Mm, that's nice. So maybe this was the Burger King one. Yeah, that's possible. So moving on, we've got a question about MIB3. This comes from Ashley, who says, I have a thought on Men in Black 3 that wasn't covered. Why does Jay not make a second Jay when he makes the second time jump at Cape Canaveral and possibly a second Boris? They establish that you don't just pop back into your own consciousness. So what's the deal with that? It totally breaks the time jump rules. This is why time travel is difficult. I think she's right. I think she's right, too. I, I don't immediately, I don't have uh, an argument. Yeah. I don't have a, yeah. Yeah. And Be- because they, they, even, they even have uh, two Borises in the 60s. Oh, so, yeah. So it's not like Boris went back in time and just like took over his own body. It's not Days of Future Past rules. Right. That is weird. So there should, by the rules, there should be like a second Jay and a second Boris. Like the, se- the, the like Jay and Boris should have like went off the edge like they go back, they and then they go back, and then Jay and Boris go off the edge, and then another Jay and Boris are like yeah. standing behind the, them. They're about to do the same thing again. Yeah, but then these new versions drop in, and they're like, "Whoa, what the hell?" Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Weird. I completely understand. In a world where they had this conversation, they being the screenwriters, mm-hmm. they must have just been like, "Well, like we can't have multiple." Like, <laughs> yeah. One would fall off. I mean, or, you know, it would be like another too many, too much. Yeah. Just like, I just don't want to think about it. Just write it. Yeah. (laughs) We're already so over budget. But but yeah, it's kind of mixing Days of Future Past with traditional, like, Back to the Future rules. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, no answer for that one. This one comes from our Men in Black 3 guest, Sam Gash. Mm -hmm. Uh, He says, let's see, uh, he has a couple of things Number one, he asks, is Tessa Thompson the Tim Drake of the MIB universe? Uh, that's a more of you question. Yeah, I guess so. so. So Tim Drake, if I'm not mistaken. Is the third Robin. Is he the one that Batman catches, like, trying to steal wheels off the Batmobile? No. So that's, well, yes, in the animated series, because okay. they combined him and Jason Todd okay, in the in, animated series. But in the comics, that was Jason Todd. In the comics, that was Jason Todd, who then dies, and then Batman is like, I'm never going to have a Robin again. Mm-hmm. And then Tim Drake finds out who Batman's identity is, breaks into the Batcave, and is like, hey, I'm going to be your new Robin. And I found you. Yeah, I found you. Dressed for the job you want, not the job you have. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I guess in a way, yeah, I think that, I think that makes sense. That tracks. I like that. So why do we assume that the, the pug that we see at the, in, in International, the one that Tessa Thompson walks past, <laughs> why do we assume that that's Frank the pug? Could it be his kid? You know, he does sound different enough yeah, to where you could assume, like, well, maybe in-universe, that painting or portrait that Jay has is for Frank the Pug, who passed. And this is like, yeah, maybe. I mean, he talked about having sex a lot. Yeah, that's true. Though it is, it does, it does pose some questions in terms of, like, right. how does an alien impregnate a dog? Yeah, because we've, we've, we never saw, like, Frank, how Frank worked. Like, for example, is he, like, a suit? Right. Is he like a mechanical suit or is he like... Is he just an alien that happens to look like an Earth pug? Yeah, like Rocket Raccoon. Or are all pugs... Are all pugs aliens? Yes. That's the other question. I think that's the most Men in Black answer. Yeah. All pugs are aliens. All pugs are aliens. 
Yeah. But yeah, I because I remember I think I even pointed out in our episode that that Frank didn't sound the same. But, yeah. But is he is he vo- I, I I don't know. We never checked. I would be the one to know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. So, okay, so then the other thing is uh, just a slight correction, just pointing out something. Uh, Sam points out that we did, in fact, get a Men in Black undercover in the form of Agent W or W as Andy Warhol in Men in Black 3. That's right. Technically a Men in Black and undercover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not a whole movie, but. In retrospect, that is, it's almost kind of like parodying what the FBI was doing at the time, which mm-hmm. is like having agents pretend to be members of the counterculture mm-hmm. to like spy on them and find out if they were communists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. So then his next, his next bit actually brings us into the prompt that I put on Twitter, which was that if you could do, you know, all bets are off, like you can do whatever you want with the men in black universe, what would be the thing that you would want? Sam says, basically we now are several decades out from aliens immigrating to earth So there are likely now creatures of alien origin who were born and have lived on Earth for their entire lives. I'd like to see a Men in Black movie about second or third generation aliens integrating into Earth culture. What if the family didn't have many of their species on the planet? Are their kids going to public schools? What happens when they have real friends and start dating? I think it'd be a touchy subject, but also an interesting metaphor for what the melting pot we always were taught America could be. How would you integrate that into a larger story? I'm kind of in love with that. Yeah, I like that too. I, I'm, but yeah, I don't know how to integrate that into Men in Black because Men in Black is so specifically like a procedural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I like the idea because similar, you see uh, films where people of color that are like law enforcement or FBI, mm-hmm. like I just got yeah. done watching the Billy Holiday movie. Okay, where there's like. There's like low level black members of the FBI that are like, we're doing this because we we love our country, but then are like met with like prejudice nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of like a young alien protagonist being like, I can't even speak my planet's language. I've never been to my home planet. I'm from Earth. Yeah. Like, look, I'm like, but like, I want to be men in black because like they don't respect. It's not like I was in the 90s anymore. Like K's gone. They're assholes yeah. now. Because remember, our favorite version of men in black was when they were more diplomatic mm-hmm. bureaucratic than like shoot him up very much so yeah. yeah so it'd be cool to have an alien and then kind of like his, his planet could have to do with the plot like maybe like they're the bad guys yeah yeah that's true there's this movie and then later a show like a lot of things in the <laughs> 80s 90s called alien nation okay yeah that was about alien refugees who merged with human culture and then the first of these aliens played by Mandy Patinkin in the movie, becomes a cop and is partnered with uh, the dad from Elf. Oh, James Caan. Yes, James Caan. James Caan and Mandy Patinkin. And uh, they get drunk on spoiled milk. I remember that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, this is what people thought Bright kind of ripped off. Yes. At the time. Yeah. It, I mean, it absolutely. Did. Okay, for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, so so I, I think that there's definitely, it wouldn't even be the first time that that kind of thing has happened. Mm-hmm. But I think what, what's interesting and original about this version of the story is that they do deal with second generation aliens right. in alienation because i think if i'm not mistaken mandy patinkin has a daughter who was born on earth okay and like hat is raised in earth sort of like um uh the conehead's daughter right yeah in the conehead's yeah, yeah, movie yeah, yeah yeah where it's just like i don't even know what any of this means i like i was raised here yeah. you know Were you i'm of the generation where i didn't know she wasn't part of the sketches 
Oh, yeah. I didn't yeah. know that either. Yeah, because I watched the movie first. Yeah, so did I. I didn't know she was like, the. it's the 90s. We have to have a... Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. <laughs> wow. Um, oh, man. SNL adaptations would be a good franchise to do. It, absolutely. Um, throw it in. So, but, yeah. Mean, yeah, but like, but that's just, that's just, a, that's a second generation. And they're not, she wasn't like directly involved in the plot, mm-hmm. even less so than the daughter in Coneheads. Yeah. But the idea of a third generation alien who just knows nothing but earth is two generations removed from the last family member yeah. who was from their planet yeah. and becomes a men in black. Yeah. That's good. That's really cool. Yeah. Cause yeah. I remember like in Minari, like the children were kind of like not into the grandma at first. Cause it was like, no, we're, we're American. Like we're, yeah. and also what Sam said about like going to public school, mm-hmm. you know, like logicking that out. Any alien child in the men in black world that's like going to a public school would have to be aware of the men in black and have to be aware of the fact that aliens are a secret. So mm-hmm. it would be like every kid would have to have this like extra layer of responsibility. Yeah. Of like you can't risk your like the men in black would probably even help the program. It would be like, hey, we're working with like we're we've co-created this like placement program. Yeah. To put kids in schools. Wow, that's really true. Okay, so we could do this all day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Next one comes from Twitter. This is from Sparky Upstart. Their suggestion is men in black high school, teens in black, fighting aliens, and maybe kiss. Yeah. Hey, I'm on board. I'm kind of picturing like, I don't know what a men in black high school means. I mean, maybe that's the alien thing. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, because yeah. like, or like, yeah, like an academy. Yeah, because that's those are different ideas. Like Men in Black's tr- how to, a school to train you to become a Men in Black, right, is different than an alien going to an American normal high school, right? Potentially, yeah. Oh, unless it's like a Twenty One Jump Street thing, oh, where the yeah. alien goes to high school to find. Oh, uh, yeah. a, a, like, like a bad alien we, that's in the high school yeah. weed them out like we think there's an alien disguised as a high schooler selling like alien drugs yeah and you have to <laughs> yeah pretend. it's just the faculty <laughs> yeah just yeah <laughs> and you have to like infiltrate this high school because you're an alien so you, we've made you this like suit right that looks like a high school kid yeah and it's like an alien trying to figure out how to be a high schooler yeah, yeah. that's it, pretty it, good makes friends with the nerds <laughs> <laughs> it's also a really good use of the the alien like in terms of like the first time the men in black like bring an alien into the fold because mm-hmm. it's like we have no choice like what are we going to get an actual high schooler to do this we no can't. it's too dangerous yeah, yeah. We, but we've made this like because we've seen like alien robot suits that look like just like humans but then they open up yeah you know yeah. Or, or even like mikey where it's just like right like, like janky yeah um, maybe it's one of those aliens from the first one Oh, that could be cool. Yeah, like the little dudes. Yeah, the little dudes. Yeah, because yeah. I've been picturing. Do you remember that canceled? It didn't even like become a show, but like they leaked art for that Batman high school show. Oh yeah, yeah, where it was like if Gotham villains were all like clicks of a high school. It was so silly, but you know what it reminded me of was uh, Clone High, where yes. where it's like, look from the outside, this looks like a stupid bad idea. Mm-hmm. But if the execution was good enough, yeah. it could have been really fun. It could have been like Harley Quinn level, totally like smart and fun. Yeah, but like, and I'm I'm I just I'm picturing that, and then I also think about the animated series, the yeah, Man of Black, and like this could be a really cool like animated show. Oh yeah, for sure. Because then you get like Ben Schwartz to be the little alien dude, but mm-hmm. then he's like the voice of the high school student. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but I like this a lot. I think I think that's how you do the 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 twenty one Jump Street yeah. crossover. Oh is, yeah, is you make it you make like Ice Cube be the only person. Like you don't bring over Jonah Hill and so, Channing Tatum. He was so good. Like this Jump Street program was great. Do you want to work for the Men in Black? <laughs> yeah, like, and that's, yeah. That, that's what you do. Yeah, that's how you do the crossover. You don't bring them over. You just. You you get Lord Miller involved, yeah. but you do it this way. Yeah, I think that's I think that would be really cool. Agent I, Agent I. <laughs> uh, okay, so this next one is is speaking of crossover concepts. This is called Austin Powers, Groovy Man in Black. Whoa! Agent J gets a new partner named Agent A. They use the time machine from Austin Powers Two to go into the future to stop Scott Evil and his new alien squad. Oh, cool! It's a post Goldmember universe. Yes. Yeah. Sure. I mean, you, you know, know. <laughs> I, I keep thinking about like, man, if, if Tommy Lee Jones couldn't sanction Jim Carrey's buffoonery, <laughs> I don't know what he would do with Mike Myers. Well, it says Jay is getting a new partner. Oh, Jay. It's yeah. Jay. Yeah. Okay. Jay is getting a new that's partner. That's not as exciting to me. Yeah. That's actually, yeah, fair. Uh, fair enough. Because Jay and Austin Powers, they're both kind of good time Charlies. They both kind of like to cut loose. That's true. Uh, you don't want Jay to be the straight man. Right. I would almost rather an Austin Powers prequel where mm. it's Austin Powers before he gets frozen and he teams up with uh, like, Thanos himself. Hell yeah. John yeah. Brolin and Black. That, yeah. That's cool because <laughs> he's been to London. Yeah. That's how he met O. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. That was where that oh, happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he could be the person who like, come on, Agent K, talk yeah. to him, man. <laughs> you All right, man. Okay. Awesome powers. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Sorry. That one came from uh, DD Hizzy on Twitter. And this next one comes from Tony Cam 12 on Twitter. J and K doing a joint mission with another pair of agents from another planet looking for an intergalactic fugitive. That's cool. I do like the idea of them having to team up with another pair. Mm -hmm. That is cool. I always like in buddy cop movies where there's like a rival buddy cop team. Mm -hmm. That's like usually like they're jerks. Like we're going to get there first. Yeah. Idiot. Yeah. But it'd be cool if they were like equally likable. But yeah, like it'd be like what? Like imagine, like I don't know, like if a princess was like missing or something, right? A planet would be like, well, we're gonna send our people, like Rush Hour. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's another way into the the alien men and black person is like you make an agent have to team up with an alien for a particular case, yeah. and then they become a men in black at the end, like uh, Zootopia. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Where it's like I'm one of the like it's kind of happened with Frank. Yeah, like maybe he's a little rapscallion, but then by the end he like get, he like makes good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. I like that. Mm-hmm. All right, all of the, I want to watch all these movies, even yeah. the Austin Powers one. <laughs> yeah, just out of curiosity. <laughs> yeah. All right. So thanks everybody who uh, wrote in, and uh, we'll be doing another one of these for Scream at the uh, at the end of this next yeah. miniseries. But for now, we need to talk about our nominations. Oh, great! Yeah. So. Let's start <laughs> with action-adventure. So we haven't covered an action-adventure movie yet. We haven't. No. Man in Black with science fiction, technically X-Men is superhero. Exactly. Exactly. So action-adventure. We're each nominating one. Nick, what is your action-adventure nomination? My nomination for the action-adventure genre is the John Wick franchise. Awesome. What stuck out to you? Sure. Well, I, I, I think in an age where much has been said about how Hollywood relies on IP and like franchises and nostalgia. I think John Wick 
is such this this amazing little franchise that could or the series that could that started with very kind of like humble humble origins of like we everyone loves keanu reeves i remember at the time it was like it's been a minute since i think everyone it was kind of the beginning of his renaissance yeah yeah yeah, of, of like he's always been there but this was like it was just it did such a it was such a cool thing to watch as a movie fan yeah slowly watching everyone fall in love with it Mm-hmm. You know, like I was like seeing everything that came out every weekend. So like I saw it, but I, w- I wouldn't consider that like a badge or anything. Yeah. And then by the time we get to three, it just felt like an event. Yeah. And everyone is so hyped and everyone, John Wick has become this character that is starting to rise up to like Rambo and the Terminator. Mm-hmm. And, and there's, and then like the, and other unstoppable killing machines, unstoppable killing machines. <laughs> and like I've had, I had so much fun learning about the artistry and craft behind the men in black series. Yeah. And the John wick movies are immaculately crafted yeah. on the page and on the set. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there's some interesting things about director authorship right. and writing and all of that stuff. Cause so. it kind of birthed a little mini genre of itself when you look at like the talent that came out of that movie mm-hmm. you know david like mm-hmm. that you pronounce his name i well we'll know for sure if we cover the absolutely. franchise <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah john wick yeah and then the fourth one was coming out next summer yeah absolutely so my my pick for action adventure is going to be the mummy franchise mm-hmm. starting with not starting with the classic black and white film starting with the action adventure franchise which was starring uh, brendan frazier we got three of those movies there's also the scorpion king i don't know if that I, I think it would count because if if Deadpool and New Mutants counts and are X Men, then I think Scorpion King has to count. Absolutely, and it was theatrically released. Exactly. So Scorpion King, as well as the Dark Universe starter, The Mummy, starring Tom Cruise, because of the Book of the Dead. Yep. So you know, we just it's going to be that's part of the franchise, right? So we're going to be I'm going to be covering those five films. Yeah. Honestly, I could also I, I if we ever get our bonus show on there, then I would really want to cover Van Helsing as well. Oh, wow. Because I think it's part of that kind of Steven Sommers monster universal. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I would love to hear about like how Brendan Fraser found that role or what that process was like. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm really excited. I love the mummy and uh, and I think that it's getting like a lot of play right now. It's now kind of, it's been enough time to where it's the generation that found it when we were younger Mm -hmm. are now like, this is great, right? This is actually still great. We all, we all watch this over and over again when we were kids. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, that's my, so our, our, our two picks for action adventure will be John Wick and the mummy for horror. What's your pick, Nick? I chose James Wan's Insidious franchise. Yeah. Interesting. What, what brings you to that one? I love, I really, really love the first insidious it came out right as i was starting to become interested in horror as a genre mm-hmm. at the beginning of like the last decade yeah and it just just floored me i thought it was so fun and cool and scary yeah and i'm a big big defender of the second movie insidious 2 yeah it's a really cool double feature and i think is really underrated even in the horror community yeah i mean like i'm not like a huge horror guy i'm not like whatever but like <laughs> Like the talent behind that movie, you got Patrick Wilson, you got James Wan, you yeah. have so many different people. Uh, Lynn Shay, who I think is one of my favorite horror protagonists, period. Wow. And yeah, it's like, I, I think uh, it'd be fun to talk about how this movie's got made. Yeah. And the thing that I'm I'm really interested in that one uh, possibly getting chosen is because I've only seen the first Insidious. Uh, so I, I'm really interested in visiting that one. Uh, my pick for horror is Child's Play. I think the thing that's so interesting about Child's Play as a horror franchise, first of all, 
outside of Scream, Child's Play is my absolute favorite horror franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason that I love it so much is because it is one writer. Don Mancini wrote every single entry in that franchise. Every single one. Yeah. Nobody does that. It, it just doesn't happen. The idea of authorship in, the, in that genre. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's so fascinating. The, the genre turns that the, that the franchise took over the course of it, you know, going from a slasher to a self-aware, you know, scream-like mm-hmm. uh, franchise with Bride of Chucky, almost a horror comedy, then turning into like... <laughs> You know what it became in Seed of Chucky, which is just like oops, all camp. Yeah, and then we move on to uh, how Seed. No, no, uh, Cult is one of them, and the other Curse, Curse, Curse and Cult, Ch- yeah. which reboots the franchise after Don Mancini was a writer on Hannibal Le- on the Hannibal Show, mm-hmm. relearning how to write horror in a new way, and decided to pull that in. You know, and I just I find all of that so fascinating. Um, so I I really want to talk about the Child's Play franchise. So our horror genre picks Child's Play and the Insidious franchises. Mm-hmm. Moving on to sci-fi fantasy, this is an interesting pick. It's a curveball, Nick. It is. Uh, I I decided to go with Vin Diesel's Riddick franchise. Yeah. So this would include Pitch Black, The Chronicles of Riddick, and 2013's Riddick. Yeah, I've never seen any of these. Yes. So. <laughs> I'm I'm a big fan of I just really admire how Vin Diesel has been able to make his dreams come alive, to be honest. <laughs> sure. It, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. And 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 I, I think the Riddick movies almost encapsulate that better than the frat the fast movies. And that they are I don't know, he's such an interesting dude where he's like this D and D guy, but he also has this big ego. I don't know. I uh, I I rewatched the Chronicles of Riddick like a few years ago for the first time since like oh four. And it's like really, it's beautiful. Oh, it's it kind of is one of the more visually. It is kind of in the same camp category as something like Jupiter Ascending, right? That Gonzo science fiction space opera, yeah, beautifully designed, beautiful costumes, right? And um, I'm a fan of. I I haven't seen Riddick since theaters, but yeah, I just think it's really and like the Facebook marketing, yeah, how that kind of came into play. Absolutely. A lot of interesting stuff. There. Yeah. And speaking of Jupiter Ascending and the Wachowskis, my pick is The Matrix. Absolutely. I, you know, I just think that The Matrix is fascinating from a lot of different perspectives. And the story of that first film getting made is one of the, <laughs> one of the greatest, like, Hollywood, like, how did they do this? Mm-hmm. How did um, they get away with making this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm really excited about talking about that. I'm excited to do research on different readings of the film because I think that's important now, mm-hmm. uh, looking back on the franchise. And we have The Matrix 4, The Matrix it, so like, Resurrection? No, what's yeah, it there, there was a rumor I saw that I thought it was confirmed that Matrix Resurrections was the title, but Re- yeah. it, I haven't seen it marketed officially anywhere, so I'm not really... Okay, okay. Well, The Matrix 4 um, is is coming out this year so this would be like the perfect time to yeah. cover this franchise so that's my pick so the sci-fi fantasy genre which will be the matrix versus the riddick franchise mm-hmm. moving on to comedy my pick is uh, something a little smaller scale it's only three movies mm-hmm. uh, the pitch perfect trilogy yeah i've only seen the first two i never saw pitch perfect three I yeah I I've only seen the first two as well yeah. so yeah. um they're really interesting i think it's cool that for a few years there was this like big hollywood quote franchise where like the whole cast were young were, were like women yeah they weren't like superheroes or killing anybody or spies they were just <laughs> yeah. like 
college kids that were seeing it. Well, we haven't seen the third one, yeah, so never say never. True. I've heard they, they end up working for the CIA, so maybe they... <laughs> but yeah, the kind of harkens, there's, and like the talent behind it, there's a lot of people at the start of their careers or entering new phases of their careers. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Banks directed the sequel, mm-hmm. and I think it'd just be fun to talk about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My pick for this is uh, the Bill and Ted franchise, which seems to be complete. Uh, a complete trilogy. Uh, I do want to talk about this. I think it'd be really interesting. It has a connection to Men in Black with Ed Solomon yeah. uh, being the main writer on the uh, the Bill and Ted franchise. Canon. Uh, right? I think it's... I think it's um I, I I just really think that the growth of that franchise, where it started, where it went in a sequel, and then where it ended up, I just think is a really interesting story. Um and I, I think it would be a lot of fun to cover. So yeah. that's 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 our third and final uh Keanu Reeves franchise in this yes. in this. So comedy will be Bill and Ted versus Pitch perfect. Moving on to drama, what did you go with? For drama, I went with the uh, the Hannibal Lecter series. <sighs> this one's close to my heart. This one's definitely close to my heart. Yeah, and so this is kind of a screwy one because we wouldn't be starting with Silence of the Lambs. We would be starting with Manhunter. Right. Which I've never seen. You've never seen it? I've never seen uh, Manhunter. Okay, that's so, it's a lot of fun. So I've never seen Manhunter. I've seen Silence of the Lambs. I've never seen Hannibal. Okay. And, Hannibal's less fun, but it is interesting. And I weirdly, I have seen Red Dragon. Have you seen Hannibal Rising? No, I have not seen Hannibal Rising. I haven't either. That's the one I haven't brought myself to watch. Okay, yeah. I can't do it. I can't bring myself to and, do it. And like that, I just, the story of how we get to Hannibal Rising, I want to find out about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've read, other than Hannibal Rising, which came out, I think, simultaneously with the movie, the novel, mm. I've read the other three really? Thomas Harris novels. Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big fan. Oh, I can't wait to talk to you about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a really big fan about uh, about this this franchise, this character, this world. And I honestly think that his books, these books in particular, have uh, driven the rise of uh, true crime mm. love. This sure, adoration sure. of true crime documentaries and this uh, adoration of serial killers. And adoration is not is the wrong I, word. I think I know what you mean. I th- you can imagine like Clarice Starling being like the patron saint. Of, of, of like true crime, true like crime. murderinos. Yeah, yeah, taking it back and like, I'm, yeah. And the, any, any franchises that starts with Jonathan Demme swerves to ridley scott no starts with michael My, michael, uh, michael man to jonathan demi, demi to ridley scott to, that's to, to brett ratner yeah nuts we'll talk about it yeah, yeah that's so crazy <laughs> but your pick yeah so my pick is the rocky franchise yeah i this was in our og list mm-hmm. because i do really want to cover it i love the rocky franchise similar to riddick it's very much Sylvester Stallone's franchise. Uh, we would be covering f- starting with Rocky all the way to Creed 2. Mm-hmm. Um, Creed 3 is uh, apparently greenlit and is going to be going into production sometime in the near future. Uh, Sylvester Stallone also working on a Rocky prequel television series. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's like apparently it's like Forrest Gump, but like with Rocky. Like when he was just a heavy? Yeah. And he's, he's just in the 60s, like getting involved in the civil rights and the moon landing and like, oh like all this Vietnam I, war, all of that stuff. I hope he's directly involved with all three. Well, I think he's going to be in the way the Forrest Gump is just oh, there. Okay. I, I think it's just going to be like Rocky being like, wow, you know, I hey. think, I think what you guys are doing is pretty good. Bupkus, we're on the moon. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I love the Rocky franchise. I love Rocky Balboa as a character. And I am very excited about talk to, to talk about how, you know, the way in which a best picture winner becomes one of the longest running franchises 
of all time. Yeah. Right. And it's it just so fascinating to me. And, and I want to talk about how each entry is sort of like a response to the one before it. I think that there's a lot of meat on that bone. Yeah. Um, and I'm really excited to dig into it. Absolutely. And kind of like where, where Stallone was at in each movie. Absolutely. And then it's resurrection into a whole new franchise. Absolutely. Our drama slash thriller category is going to be Hannibal Lecter versus Rocky. Which I would also pay to see. <laughs> yes, 100%. Our final genre for this round of voting is going to be our family slash animation category. Yeah. My selection for this genre was the Spy Kids series. Mm-hmm. Spy Kids is very personal to me, very near and dear to my heart. All four have been directed by Robert Rodriguez, mm-hmm. and his story meant a lot to me growing up these movies meant a lot to me it was the first time i ever saw a latino family in a movie mm-hmm. like I, i'll that that feeling when antonio Banderas says like you're a cortez mm-hmm. was like whoa but they're goofy they're made by one person and i think it's i i really want to get into the find out more about him making these and how he was able to get autonomy through all of them yeah you know in my mind I, for some reason i seem to remember something about the origins of the spy kids movies mm-hmm. The kernel of them coming from Robert Rodriguez's segment of four rooms. Oh, really? Which is those two, the two kids, their their parents are like gone and they're like having a little adventure of this. Now, granted, it's about finding like a dead sex worker in the in the in the bed. But like it's still like two kids like doing a thing. And then he does spy kids shortly after, I think. Yeah. If I'm not remembering correctly yeah so. i only remember the tim roth stuff in four rooms oh really okay <laughs> like, that's really i i remember i remember uh robert Rodriguez's room and i remember quentin tarantino's room okay just because i've always thought that the quentin tarantino room would be a really good one act play for somebody to uh, do yeah but yeah in my mind that was always like i always thought it was like an interesting origin for sure because it was like oh there's this horrible r-rated thing not horror i mean you know but like yeah, horrifying kind of, like yeah, yeah. r-rated thing that was the kernel that started like this really yeah. kid friendly family kids. had yeah 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 and like you know uh uh machete played by danny trejo is like an in canon character in the spy kids movies does that mean that we also cover machete and machete lives yeah in uh, the spy kids we movies? Can, it's definitely in play up yeah for, up for grabs if we want to <laughs> okay all right he's explicitly the same person it would be the only way we would cover it because there's not three machete movies that's true wow. yeah so it becomes like a five movie yeah six movie print well yeah yeah it's up there i don't know and then well, what's your what's your pick i chose uh the disney renaissance um this is one of our unofficial uh, yeah, uh yeah. franchises um so this would begin i believe i think it's important to start with i mouse detective. yeah i think grace mouse detective is where you start theoretically because i think i think you go uh yeah you would either start there or you would start with little mermaid but to me i guess i guess well the thing that interests me the most about the idea of this when yeah you, when you when you introduce like the renaissance as a franchise yeah is a thing that we are interested in on the show is how each movie is a response to the other one yes and i think you you can't really talk about the history of those movies right without their relation to one another that's very true i i don't know exactly where we would start i, I have to look at the narrative and figure out exactly mm-hmm. where i wanted to start like black cauldron is that you know what i mean like, right i don't <laughs> think we would start there i think that's that's the end of the previous era which is why my gut says great mouse detective okay. is the beginning yeah so let's say we started the great mouse detective and then we would go all the way to tarzan Okay. Um, which I think is the end of the the Disney Renaissance because I think the film after that is 
Emperor's New Groove? Yeah, 01. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah, so it would basically be the end of the 80s yeah. to the end of the 90s. And you would continue to get away with never having seen Emperor's New Groove. And I could continue to get away with not seeing the Emperor's New Groove. No, at some point, <laughs> that that era will also be need to be a franchise, right? Oh, right, yeah. Starting from Emperor's New Groove to... The Oopsie era. Yeah, I think you would move to Princess and the Frog. I think that era is, is oh oh yeah kind of what's going on right now that we're still haven't really yeah yeah well well I would say Prince of the Frog is like the end because oh, that's okay. the end of like the two D stuff right because yeah. there's some three D stuff in there but they were not as successful as like, like what would follow like Princess and the Frog yeah. yeah yeah Chicken Little Home on, well Home on the Range was two D Bust a Movie yeah too. yeah well in any event the Disney Renaissance is is my pick for the uh, family an- family animation um genre so that would be spy kids versus p- plus machete <laughs> versus the the greatest run of animated features <laughs> yeah so spy kids definitely an underdog so if you want spy kids <laughs> definitely vote for it for yeah. sure so that is that is uh, quite a lineup yeah quite a lineup i'll do the rundown one more time action adventure john wick versus the mummy horror child's play versus insidious sci-fi fantasy the matrix versus the riddick franchise uh comedy bill and ted versus pitch perfect drama hannibal lecter versus rocky and family animation spy kids versus the disney renaissance those are our nominations for this round of voting you'll want to vote on our twitter these will be posted daily on our twitter right now as you're listening to this the the first one will be up that'll be uh, at franchiseography on twitter I'm so interested to how to hear how you guys are going to vote. Yeah, I'm really, really excited. So, uh, guys, uh, go go check that out um, as soon as you can, and make sure that you get your vote in. And then, when we have our finalists, you'll want to become a Patreon supporter to vote in that poll mm-hmm. um, for the uh, the actual winner. So, uh, yeah, that's that's it. I'm excited to know. I have no idea <laughs> what it's going to be. This is going to be really interesting. It's all up to you now. Absolutely. Um, all right. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, thanks for supporting us. And tune in on Friday for the start of our second mini series, Scream. Wes Craven's Scream. Wes Craven's Scream. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.